Welcome back to Fintech Insider Focus in association with Visa. In this show, we take a burning question from financial services across the globe and really put it under the microscope with explainers, expert panels, and in-depth interviews, all to bring the global community into focus. Today, I am joined again by my Fintech Insider Focus co-host, Miranda Peramol, who is the head of digital partnerships, fintech, and ventures at Visa. How are you doing, Miranda? Very well, thank you. Proudly South African today with a very dark background because it's low shedding. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's all uh, all part of the cause in that sense, isn't it? Uh, but uh, I mean, this this is the second part of our focus on the question, what problems is mobile money solving in sub-Saharan Africa? I mean, if you haven't heard part one of that conversation, go and find it wherever you found this podcast and listen to our panel discussion with amazing guests from Chipper Cash and Jamo. Um, we spoke about how mobile money flourished in sub-Saharan Africa, the roles of telcos within the region, and the real power of financial inclusion the services can really, really offer. So, uh, Miranda, to recap for, for anybody who doesn't listen to that first episode, where does Visa fit into the picture of mobile money? Yeah, thanks, David. Um, so, our role within mobile money across this continent is really to create a layer of value on top of um, you know, mobile money players across the region. And those comes in many different shapes and sizes. Um, and as you would know, you know, Sub-Saharan Africa as a whole is extremely nuanced um, when you look at a per market uh, sort of landscape. Um, Visa steps in with you know, our global network and access to sort of global commerce. Um, and we provide the ability for um, an MNO or a FinTech or another type of tech that has a mobile money solution um, to provide their customer or merchant with global commerce access. And that could come in ATM transactions on an open loop card in another market, um, e-commerce, um, cross-border transactions on uh, virtual cards or digital cards, but it essentially opens up the closed loop environments that mobile money operates in today um, into more of a global interoperable and limitless um, customer transaction experience. That's fantastic. I mean, as you say, it's not just having access, it's it's having impact, isn't it? And those those services that can be built up uh, on top of those foundations of, of the industry. I mean, uh, as the conversation went is, is very varied in terms of what can be there. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, um, that's one part, right, to, to give access, uh, create the ability for a customer to access something as easy as a card or a credential in its different forms. But there's a whole different layer in terms of, you know, creating an environment for that customer to be financially satisfied. Can they save in it? Can they get rewarded in it? Can they get credit in it? Um, you know, are they educated in it? And that's a big part of, you know, our role within this ecosystem. Um, and not only focused on, you know, these MNOs or fintechs or mobile money players, it's really across that ecosystem. So we work with the banks, we work with the regulators, our enabling partners like processes, um, Payfax, digital onboarding, et cetera. But it's really to, at an ecosystem level, across the various different parties that touch these customers and merchants' experiences to say, let's educate on how we grow um, as a region and a continent within financial services. Um, and let's start to better educate consumers and merchants around the capabilities that are available to them, um, you know, with an ultimate objective of displacing cash, but enhancing the lives of, you know, customers and small business owners 
um, you know, through financial services, um, innovative digital payment solutions. Very, very cool. I mean, it was a fantastic conversation. If you are listening to this and you haven't heard that conversation with myself, Miranda, Ham and Hassan, go check that out. In this second episode, we're sitting down with a big name guest from a mobile money space to take some of that panel discussion even further. You'll hear that after a quick short message from Visa. Don't go anywhere. Visa's FinTech Fast Track program is streamlining the onboarding process for FinTechs, enabling them to gain access to Visa's powerful capabilities and network. Visa and their enablement partners help FinTechs launch and scale cards, virtual credentials, and disbursement programs. To learn more, visit partner.visa.com. I'm David Barton Grimley, Director of FinTech Strategy at 11FS, and it's great to be joined by an amazing guest to dive further into the question, what problem is mobile money solving in sub-Saharan Africa? I'm delighted to be joined by Cedric Atangana, CEO and co-founder of We Cash Up. How are you doing, Cedric? I'm very good, and you? Yes, very good, thank you. Very excited for this discussion. Can you um, start by giving the listeners the elevator pitch on what We Cash Up is and what it does? Yeah, we cash up is a virtual supermarket for digital financial services in Africa. We help uh, informal small mobile money agents to digitalize their business. You know, they are like living ATMs. You know, in Europe, we have cards and we withdraw cash from ATMs. In Africa, we use mobile money and we withdraw cash from these mobile money agents who are like small, uh, like entrepreneurs who are selling goods uh, across the street. And we built a solution that helps them process their transactions. Amazing. Right. Let's jump right in. We've got lots to unpack. Let's start with talking a little bit about you um, and the journey that you took to becoming a fintech founder. How did, how did you start? What was your journey? And, and also, what problem did you see that you wanted to solve? Yeah. Um, when I was 16, like I'm t- today I'm 32. Um, I'm uh, a computer engineer. I was graduated from Polytechnique Marseille in the south of France. Uh, born and raised in uh, Yaoundé, Cameroon. And uh, in uh, 2008, I was 16 and my dad had a stroke. And uh, we took him to the hospital. And, uh, you know, in Africa, you have to pay everything in cash before you are taken in charge at the hospital. And uh, unfortunately for us, we didn't have uh, enough money. And then we had to call our brothers and sisters, family members, friends and all to come to the hospital in cash. And at that time, we had no way to send money fast to the hospital. So people had to work, like take taxis, bikes, and whatever they can to come to the hospital with cash. And uh, I was carrying my dad in my arms in the waiting room and uh, unfortunately he passed away. And when people arrived, it was too late. So I won't say that it's at that moment that the idea of We Cash Up came. But that's the moment I started like, got, like getting interested in, in payments, like how can somebody die for less than $100 that, that today we move like flash, like uh, instantly. But at that time, we had no solution to move money fast. So that's how I got interested in payments. And then I moved to France um, for my studies. And then I, and I started working with Google and Google organized an event in Nairobi, Kenya. And then I moved, uh, I, I, I attended that event. And at the end of the event, I went to the Maasai market, which is a very popular market in Nairobi. And I wanted to, 
to buy like souvenirs for my friends and I wanted to pay in cash. And then the woman was selling the like, like small goods and she said, no, I don't take cash. I was like, how, how do you want me to pay? And then she said, well, with M-Pesa. They said, well, what is M-Pesa? And then she explained to me that M-Pesa, it's a mobile money solution that like practically all the Kenyans use, it's phones and then... Wow. And then my, my mind just exploded. It was so simple to use. And uh, I just, I, I bought a local SIM card. I loaded my MPSA account at an agent point of sale. And then I went back to Marseille. I said, wow, I saw something in Marseille. And uh, I, I discussed with my co-founder and said, I saw something in Marseille. MPSA, please help me. I'm a computer engineer. So you have the background in like finance and all like market research and all. Please, can you help me? check on these things and then that's how we started checking mpesa we realized that it works well in kenya but you cannot move money from one mobile operator to another mobile operator at that time so no local interoperability no way to make like cross-border interoperability like transaction like one from kenya to cameroon for example and no way to make online payments at that time i was like i was shocked and then i realized that mobile money agents is built on its distribution network. Like the agents, all these agents, like the small, they're like small entrepreneurs who have like, there are small, small shops everywhere. And that's where you buy your SIM card, where you open your account, where you load your, your, your account with cash and where you withdraw cash from the account. Then we say, okay, there's something to be done here. And that's how the idea of WeCashUp came. They say, okay, in Sub-Saharan Africa, we have more than 6 million agents on the continent. And uh, they, they would work every day. They process like the last year, they process more than 1 trillion US dollars, which is completely crazy. And it's all manual. And then they say, oh, we have to build something to help them in the, in the process. So that's how the idea of Wikasha uh, came to my mind. And that's where we are today. Wow, Cedric, what an amazing um, founding story uh, and journey that, that you've been through. Um, and just to reflect a little bit on your comments about Mpesa, it's amazing how fast Sub-Saharan Africa has moved in some ways. Well, I sh- suppose we should say some parts of Sub-Saharan Africa have moved from a cash economy to Mpesa. But I'd love to um, dive deeper a little bit into the agent model that you were talking about and the huge volumes of transactions that go through. I mean, how how critical is mobile money now to the economies? of sub-Saharan Africa? And do you still see the, 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 the agent model or the way that people top up and, and use money still saying the same or changing over time? Um, things are evolving. Uh, I'll say things are evolving a lot, really fast. But today, uh, I think mobile money still rely a lot on its uh, distribution network, like on, on the agents, because I would say all the African economy today as we're speaking, rely on mobile money agents. They are small, they are everywhere, and uh, you cannot like just, just jump into Kenya. And uh, if you want to interact with M-Pesa, you cannot do it without going through an agent. That is not possible as we're speaking now. So I strongly believe that agents are still there and they are still to, like, they, they will stay in the market for a while. And that's also why we decided to help them. Like, uh, we know that at a certain point of time, they might, I won't say disappear, but um, the, the need for agents might reduce uh, uh, over time. 
And uh, these people, as I told you, six million people, if they lose their job because the, because of the technology, uh, these are a lot of families that will be affected. So the idea is to anticipate and say, okay, these people are like the, the backbone of the, of the African economy today. But tomorrow, if things shift, we need to find a way to transform them into something else, into something better, into, I don't know. That's the, the challenge that we are trying to address. And it's the backbone of the economy moving forward, as, as you say. I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about francophone markets in Africa. I think it's, I think it's fascinating. If, if we look at the French language um, in, in Africa, it's spoken by an estimated 167 million people in 2023, spread across 34 countries and territories. How different would you say are francophone uh, markets in sub-Saharan Africa as compared to, to others? Uh, that's a very good question. It's a good debate because a lot of people have been like, uh, you know, comparing Francophone Africa with all, all the English speaking uh, countries and all. Um, I don't, I think that, that is a debate that is generally, uh, I'll say that people have outside of Africa. But when you are in Africa, there's no Francophone, Anglophone and the others. They're like ethnics. You know, in Cameroon, for example, if you join me to come, Cameroon is Francophone and Anglophone both. But in Cameroon, we have more than 250 uh, like ethnic groups. And you don't sell in the north the same way you sell in the south and in the east the same way you sell in the, in, in the, in the west. So the idea is when, when people like myself... Um, Today, I, I went back from Marseille, from France to Cameroon. I decided to settle here because I understood it. Say, okay, it is difficult to address the market from like sitting from Paris or San Francisco or I don't know which, London. Because when you, when you are trying to address it from very far, you will only see Francophone, Anglophone. And uh, to me, that's not where, if you want to, uh, to be efficient in, 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 in providing solutions to these people, you have to come close to them. And when you come closer, you will realize that it's not about French or English. It is more about the culture, the local culture. You have to like meet people physically and try to understand their needs and then try to uh, like shape your value proposition to make sure that it fits the local realities of the ground. And uh, you have like the religions, you know, you don't uh, sell to uh, a Muslim person the same way you sell to a Christian person. But these are some of the small elements that might be uh, completely uh, like uh, that you cannot see easily uh, looking uh, from the Anglophone, Francophone perspective. So that's why we, I advise all the people who are interested in doing business in Africa to come talk to the people, to understand that Africa is not a, a, a monolithic block, it like a lot of small, 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 small block. And there are a lot of different marketing strategies to put in place to, to make sure that we are, we, we address uh, every single, uh, I would say every, every single group of people. So that's how I see things. And um, I would say like, yeah, I'll just stop there and then let you, I'll let you continue. Yeah, you're, you're, you're touching on one of the, one of the bigger challenges, I think, with scaling 
throughout various different countries. Um, and I think you're right when when we think, for example, in the UK where I'm sitting, when you when you launch a banking app, you you launch it in in English, and you're you're not too concerned um, about cultural variances. Although there is actually a gap um, in the UK at the moment with underserved populations that is a, is a big thing now to start solving. But in Africa, with all of the different cultures and ethnicities and 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 languages, that creates actually quite a lot of challenge um, for trying to figure out. To as you say, you need to develop. And, and and an app or a solution that accounts for that. Aside from from language, I mean, what what would you say are the other big challenges that your your that's causing you headaches as a company as you scale through uh, sub-Saharan Africa? What keeps you up at night? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a very good question, and uh, it, it's a good it's a good question because it's it, it's really um, I'll say uh, the intersection of where. You know, uh, you know the, the challenge that we we face in Africa uh, and the challenge that we face outside of Africa, because when 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 we started the company, you know, we, we, the company was incorporated in in France as at first. So at, at the beginning, we are a French company. So I I, I was you know I, I studied in France, and when I came back to Africa with, with a new solution, people said, Ah, oh, no, 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 this no, it's a French solution, you know or a European solution, then it was difficult for us to raise money uh, from African investors because they say, okay, no, we want to invest in Africa, in African companies and all and all and all. Me being a Cameroonian, so an African, now I came back with a solution and they say, people say, no, you, 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 your solution is not African. I was like, oh. Then when I go back to Europe, uh, I meet investors and I say, guys, we build a solution, Africa, payments, etc. I say, no, 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 we don't invest in Africa. It's a lot of the risk, etc., etc. So we end up like between two parents. You have your parent, the, the one in Africa who is rejecting you and the one in Europe who is rejecting you. So that was one of the biggest challenges that we, we had and then we still have today. And uh, we are looking for the like smart investors who understood finally, I hope, because we started like eight years ago and I hope things have evolved a little bit in the, in the investor industry uh, to say, guys, we are looking for people who, who are interested in Africa. I'm very pro- like happy to be in this podcast that is really focused, focused uh, on, on mobile money, talking about Francophone Africa, you know, this is quite like the first time I, I attend such such a podcast a podcast so it's a very good thing and then I, I think investors investors need to be educated and I have a few examples like we have a company like MTN MTN group that is a South African company so say an anglophone company that is making billions of dollars in francophone Africa if they are able to do that everybody all of us can make money in Francophone Africa. It's not like uh, you know, one investor coming out comes to Africa, they jump to Kenya, Nigeria, Ghana, sometimes South Africa, and then sometimes Egypt, and that's all. No, you know, Africa, the Francophone Africa, it's a huge market, and then we have success stories already with pe- people like MTN. They are making huge money, and that that is because they understood that ethnicity. Uh, a parameter to say, guys, um, when you come to countries like in, in Francophone Africa, and we have a country like Cameroon, it's a proxy country. It's both Francophone and Anglophone. So if you want to get into uh, like Francophone Africa, come to Cameroon. Cameroon, it's a pass-through. 
where you will learn like the cultures, like, like both, and then you can move progressively to the 100% francophone countries. So that's what is keeping me uh, awake at night. Like how can we leverage that? It's a, people are investing a lot in Africa, but very little come to francophone Africa. And this is like, because people don't understand the potential of, of, of that part of the market and how to get into that. And this is close to like 10 years we have been doing, like working in this market. And I think we already have the the expertise to help investors get into this market. So, yeah. It feels like um, a lot of the investors around the world see Africa as this great promise for for growth. It is is the next frontier in, in, in investments. As you say, billions of dollars are being invested, but it does sound like maybe particularly from the um, American and maybe British investing point of view that there sounds like there's just a fundamental language issue in that in that a lot of the uh, investments are going to countries that speak speak English um, and they're able to talk to people who who can speak English I mean do, do you do you come up against some of those some of those issues with the French language of course of course um, the, 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 the idea to say you know guys just be humble, you know, investors should also be humble, you know, be humble to say, guys, it is not because I don't understand a market that is a bad market. You know, investors have to be humble, say, guys, we have been investing in Nigeria. Okay, we have been investing in Kenya and, and Ghana, South Africa, and it, it works quite well. There are ch some challenges, but, you know, we already have some bridges that have sort of good, but why can't we get into this? That, that, that's my driver. I, I'm, I love challenges. You know, I, I love everything that is difficult. And I always try my best to crack solutions for difficult problems. And that is the mindset that our investors today should, should be, like, should have to say, guys, why MTN? How did MTN do to, you know, to get into Francophone Africa? We have companies like, okay, French companies like Orange, they are making billions. And MTN is my, my best case because it's an, it's, a, it's, I was an Anglophone, uh, it's a company coming from an Anglophone country. If they, they succeeded, anybody can succeed. They are just to maybe go to MTN and try to learn, but I have a few tips to share, but, that is to say, if they can do it, anybody can do it. But let's just be humble enough to learn, to talk to people, to, you know, and then try. Sometimes you can learn and then succeed because you got good lessons from the others. But sometimes you just have to try, fail, learn and retry all, of, all over again until you, you get to, to the solution. So, yeah, that's my, 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 my take about, about that problem. It sounds like they just need to they need to learn and invest the time and effort um, and you know rather than depending on um, the market will just all of a sudden emerge and all of these investment opportunities will emerge for them to, to get in no they have to go and make the market exactly and the other market are crowded already and Francophone Africa is completely it's a virgin market so just just come and try yeah uh, absolutely I'd love to talk a little bit about the relationship between fintech and telco. So, you know, you mentioned M-Pesa a few times um, and M-Pesa being a currency effectively that was launched by a telco um, in East Africa. 
And you could argue that it was one of the very, very first cases of embedded finance that we've ever seen. Um, one of the very first cases of a non-banking organization going into banking. And so it's really leading leading the way in that. But how has that evolved over time? I mean, are you still seeing the relationship between telco and fintechs and, and, and regulation as being very important? Or are there other players or other industries that are coming up to that, that, that will help um, mobile money scale? Uh, it's a very good question because when, when we started like eight years ago, eight, nine years ago, uh, it was very difficult to work with mobile operators. You know, when you're a small startup, a small company, you're two or three guys trying to do something and then you go talk to Mpesa or, I don't know, Orange or MTN, they see you as a tiny little, you know, thing there that is just shaking around. And um, yeah, you're not interesting for them. What they are looking for, it's like immediate like profits and uh, skill. And and that was one of the issues that we had with mobile operators. They wanted to do everything, you know, because they have, you know, mobile operators have, you know, access to a very large base of uh, users. Like, and they have a very, I would say, long history of uh, data or transaction uh, data on the users, like voice. So they know where you are, you know, everything, everything. So they, they, they thought they can do everything uh, in, in that, uh, I would say, financial service uh, landscape. And they tried a lot of things and they failed sometimes. And uh, I think today they are more open to working with, with uh, fintech. Uh, today we have very, like better interactions with uh, with uh, mobile operators. They understood that they have to focus on their core business and then uh, try to be helped by other fintech uh, that can bring uh, complementary value ad- uh, like addition to to what they are doing. So I would say it is easier today. But um, to work with these people, what on the, on the fintech side, we need to understand their their challenges. They have a lot of regulatory uh, challenges. Uh, the first one being that they are they are working on the intersection of two regulations: the telecom regulations, because they are a mobile operator. So there are some rules that they have to respect on in that uh, area. And then today they are providing financial services. That is the banking regulation. So a, a good fintech, a fintech that would like to, uh, to navigate in that area should understand these two uh, like big constraints that the mobile operators have. And when, once you understand that, you will understand their problems. And uh, generally their problems is, is on the compliance side because when you have uh, 20 million users making transactions every day, there's practically no bank in Africa. Like when you, when you, when you check country per country, pra- there's practically no bank in Africa with that n- number of users, active users every day. There's practically no, but like 20 million users, 30 million users, 40 million users, but you have a lot of mobile operators with that level of, of activity. That means that the level, uh, the, the risk, uh, the compliance risk on their level is also very high. And as a fintech, when I understand that, I will position myself uh, taking into account these two key elements. And that's how we came up with our solution. Say, guys, uh, you cannot exist without your mobile money agents. That is a fact. There is no mobile money without agents. 
no matter if you are in, uh, in Kenya or Cameroon or whatever you are in Africa, there is no mobile money without agents. And then these agents are, I'll say, the foundation on which mobile operators are built. The day you remove it, you you just broke the mobile operator. And then you say, guys, I we know you have the energy, you have in, been investing a lot and, and all and all and all, but we want to give you a, a push there. Let us help you there so you can focus on your core business. So we built WeCasha, which is an app that these mobile uh, uh, agents, that these agents use every day to make their transactions. Just to give you an example, uh, agents today, uh, I, I went, I flew to, to Tanzania, uh, like what, maybe six or seven years ago, and we had like 12 mobile operators in the country. 12. And then you end up with agents with 12 uh, feature phones. And then when the, the, uh, the client comes, say, it dial star, one, two, three, star, the beneficiary's phone number, star, the amount, star, the pin code, hash, to make a deposit or a withdrawal. And it's complete. And they have a small notebook like this one, you know, they write every single transaction, you know. And at the end of the day, they spend like one hour to calculate how much, how much commission they make from each operator, like 12 mobile operators. And this is just crazy. So we built an app that aggregates all these mobile operators in one single place. And then we automated the accounting to make it easy for them. So all of our agents know precisely how much money they make with each mobile operator. And uh, now the accounting is automated. They no longer dial uh, USSD code star one, two, three, blah, blah, blah. It takes like, before it was taking like five minutes per transaction. Now it takes like less than 30 seconds. It goes faster. So these are some of the things that we, we brought to the market to optimize, to accelerate and support mobile operators uh, in that mobile money journey. So these are some of the examples. And I know a lot of other fintechs are bringing such solutions to make mobile operators more efficient. So they, they should pay more attention to what uh, fintechs are doing. And uh, I, I strongly believe in a vision where we have mobile operators supported by fintech to support the regulators. Because if mobile operators fail, we all fail and regulators, all of us fail. So they are to support them and maximize our impact in the market. It is such a fascinating insight that the scale that the telcos have is something that no bank pretty much uh, has the scale to be able to deal with. Um, and this is where providers like you actually actually come in. And I think the second interesting thing you said there was how technology in some senses is creating more complexity. So as amazing as it is to have mobile money, all of a sudden you have all of these different accounts that you need to that you need to work with. And then it's the next wave of startups that come in to start to say, how might we aggregate this? How might we take friction out of out of all of these experiences and bring it and bring it together? I'd love to talk a little bit more about the agents, right? Um, and how it. I mean, if you look at financial inclusion, for example, um, so according to the World Bank, 45% mm -hmm. of sub-Saharan Africans aged 15 and above were unbanked in, in 2021. And I'd love to talk a little bit about how mobile money through the agents might facilitate that. And what, what are some of the things you're thinking about to help boost the well-being and the businesses that the agents at the agents have so that you can lift more people um, out of poverty. Yeah, um, that is a good um, a good point. I, I love that part because we the data that we, we see uh, 
with the agents that that are using our our platform show us that an agent meets 100 people every single day in on on average right 100 people and uh, these people some of them have mobile money accounts others don't etc etc this means that out of these 100 people the agent could could like be becomes a kind of um, an, an enrollment point of sale where the, the agent can convert and enroll progressively. Like we have one target that we, sh- we give to our agent, like enroll one user per day. So one additional user per day. And I strongly believe that this, this is, uh, th- that will be a, an acceleration point uh, to uh, a 100% financial inclusion because Imagine you receive money from like from your mom or your brother and you don't have a mobile money account. The agent, when you go and when you withdraw cash from the agent, it costs you a, a small fee. But if you have your own uh, account, it is free. This means that the agent can tell you, you know, you're withdrawing and you see there's a fee, but you can just download the app or open your account and then you receive that money for free and then you can send that uh, money again if you make payments, it's, it is completely free. So I strongly believe that agents can help in uh, banking the, the African population in the sense of mobile money or once say, like having traditional bank account, but I would say people will stay unbanked, say on, on the banking perspective, people will stay unbanked in Africa, but they will be banked in the sense of mobile money, because today we, uh, what I see here in, 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 in Cameroon, you have people like with two, three, four, five mobile money accounts, which is absolutely crazy. And uh, I think that that trends will just keep evolving and moving forward. But if you, if you keep like looking uh, the numbers from banks, you will think that Africa is unbanked. Africa is no longer that unbanked. Africa is moving like banked, but on the mobile money way. So I think the the, the good thing w- would be to cross, like to merge data from the mobile yeah. money industry with the with the uh, the banking industry to say this is the banked the Africa the, the the banked population in Africa from both telcos and banks, plus the microfinance because these are also some of the actors who are there in the market. They are not visible enough, but they are there. So yeah, that's my my view on on that. You're, you're you're right. What constitutes a banked person in a lot of these countries is not the same as the way we might um, constitute a banked person um, in in Europe. It's so interesting. A quick quick fire question from you. We've been talking a lot about um, financial inclusion and unbanked, but let, let's bring it back to the central question connecting these shows that we're doing. Considering everything we've discussed, so what would you say is that one main problem? Um, mobile money is solving in sub-Saharan Africa. Is it is it the unbanked, or is it about something else? Um, to me, people being banked or unbanked, it doesn't really matter. You know, people just want to move money, and that's all. If you are not able to move money fast at the lowest cost possible, people don't care. No, no matter if you're a bank or mobile operator or whatever you are, fintech or other, people just want like convenience. That's all. If it's through having a phone and making star one, two, three, they, they will go through it. If it's easy to use, if it's, if, if it works fast, 
that's that's all. People don't care about being banked or unbanked or whatever it is. In Europe, it matters because when you are banked, you are in a system. I would say a closed loop where you are banked, you are connected to the other banks through the central bank. So if you have an issue with one bank in Europe, it will spread throughout the other banks. So you cannot like mess up with one bank and then cross the street and go to that to the other bank. There is a system in place that 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 prevents that. There's nothing. There's no such thing in 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 most of the African countries. So today, what people want is just like simple things that helps them make transaction, move money fast. You know, I, I that 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 takes me back to to my personal story. You know, imagine if we had M-Pesa or such a technology in 2008 when when my dad uh, passed away. Maybe we'll still be alive today. So these are some of the basic, basic, basic problems to solve. So, yeah. Comes back to payments, doesn't it? Um, that wraps up this edition of FinTech Insider Focus in association with Visa. Cedric, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a fascinating uh, conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Where can people find out more about you and we cash up? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Cedric Atangana, and on Twitter. So thank you so much, David, for your time. And uh, I hope more investors will pay attention to Francophone Africa. So if you're interested in learning more about WeCashRub, so feel free to, to ping me on Twitter and or X, as we say today. So yeah, thank you so much, David. Yes, that's right. It's X. Listen up, investors. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn at David BG. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you've liked what you heard, subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. It helps us to make it better and helps others find the show. Be sure to check out the next batch of FinTech Insider Focus episodes in a new geography dropping in two weeks' time. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.